Good morning, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So good to look up and see you. We praise you. You're our creator, our savior, all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present, worthy of our praise. And as we see you, then we see ourselves so differently, and we confess our sins to you. The things we thought and said and did this week, the things we've left undone, forgive us. And Lord, forgive our land that we have forgotten you and think that we can function without you. Lord, forgive us. Lord, we do thank you. There were 10 lepers that were healed. Only one gave thanks, and so we came and, and we sang Amazing Grace, and we thank you for your amazing grace that you would love us that when we were blind, you opened our eyes, and when we were lost, you found us. Thank you. Thank you for washing our sins away. Thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together and worship you. Lord, thank you for, for homes to live in with all this rain, and thank you for air conditioning and electricity and indoor plumbing and cars. We are rich beyond most people in the history of the world's wildest imaginations, thank you. And we're here today because we need you. No one needs you more than we do. And so we bring our needs to you, meet our needs. And as we open up your word, Holy Spirit, teach us. May we see Jesus. And as we see Jesus, may we leave here rejoicing. And this week, may we find that we have to share with everyone what we, that we meet this week, what we learned about you today. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I was doing a, a funeral a couple of months ago, and the grandson of the man who died, he spoke, and, uh, he, he spoke from the serenity prayer, and it had be been a long time since I'd heard it. And the last part of the serenity prayer says, with Jesus we can be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy in the life to come. That's pretty good, isn't it? That with Jesus we can be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy in the life to come. How many of you would go for being reasonably happy in this life? Would you? I, I would like that. That would be good, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be an improvement over a lot of us? And how many of you would go for being supremely happy in the life to come, would you? You see, that's what Jesus offers us, the opportunity to do life and eternity with him so that we can be reasonably happy in this life with him and supremely happy with him in the life to come. And that's what we're going to be learning about today as we, we really look at what, uh, that Jesus is the ladder. You know what a ladder is, right? Jesus is the ladder. And what we're going to see today is that Jesus is the ladder, that Jesus is God who came to earth. He's a ladder that brought God down to earth. And then when he saves us, what does he do? He takes us, what, back up to God, doesn't he? But then one day in the future, what's he going to do? He's going to bring heaven back to earth. And so we're going to explore today... <clears throat> how Jesus is the ladder, who, who's God who came down, who takes us up, and one day will bring heaven down to earth. If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to Genesis 28. Um, we're walking through Genesis together, and if you ever thought your family's the only dysfunctional family, it's not. We learned last week that every family needs Jesus I mean, in this family, Isaac and Rebecca are married, but Isaac has a favorite, Esau, and Rebecca has a favorite, 
Jacob, and they came up with this plot, and, and they deceived Isaac, and, and he blessed Jacob instead of Esau, even though God wanted him to bless Jacob, right? Uh, so now Esau wants to murder Jacob, and uh, Rebekah doesn't want Jacob to marry one of the pagans in Canaan, so she wants him to go and marry one of her relatives. And now we pick up the story. Genesis 28, So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Haram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and from there... Take to yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. Um, listen, guys, God makes it really simple when it comes to marriage. He says you can marry any woman you want to on earth as long as they're a believer. And if you're a lady, I want you to know that God makes it really simple. A lot of people are looking for one person. God says you can marry anybody on earth you want to as long as they're a believer. The one rule that God has for marriage is marry a believer. And that's why Isaac is telling uh, Jacob to go and marry someone who shared their faith. Then he continues, now, <clears throat> may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he also give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you, that you may possess the land of your sojournings who God gave to Abraham. This time he blesses, he blesses uh, Jacob knowingly, and he gives him the blessing of Abraham. We're going to hear it again, but the blessing of Abraham is God's covenant of grace, and there's a top line and a bottom line. And the top line God says to his people is, I will bless you. And the bottom line is, I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. And so Isaac is blessing Jacob, saying, listen, God is going to bless you with his presence. God's going to bless you with the land because we were created for a person and a place. And then God is going to use you to be a blessing to others. And that's what God says to us. Listen, when we come to faith in Christ, he says, I will bless you with a person. That's why we can be reasonably happy now. And one day we're going to have a person and a place. That's why we'll be supremely happy in the life to come. We have the person now, but not the place. And while we're here, Jesus says, I want you to be a, a blessing to other people. Then Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Haram to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Haram to take to himself a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he charged him, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan, and that, and that Jacob had obeyed the, his father and mother and had gone to Padan Haram. So Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac, and Esau went to Ishmael and married Besides the wives that he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nabaioth. Now, Ishmael figured out that it pleased his mom and dad that when you married someone from the family, instead of going to Rebekah's family, he went to Abraham's family and took a daughter of Ishmael. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. Um, Parents, any of you feel like your kids will never leave home, do you? 
How old is Jacob now? He's 77. <laughs> he is, he's, he's living at home at 77. And uh, so now he gets sent out. Jacob departed at 77. He departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. Now let me show you this a little bit. This journey starts, see Beersheba? He's headed to Haran, 500 miles away. Now, some of us were here a few weeks ago. We saw how Abraham sent a servant to get a wife for Isaac to get Rebecca, but then he sent 10 camels. There was a caravan that that servant traveled as a part of a caravan to get Rebecca. But now we only read about Jacob. It seems like he's uh, alone, doesn't it? And there's no mention. There's no mention of a camel. There's no mention of a donkey. So it seems like he's walking 500 miles to get a wife. That's a long way, isn't it? Let's say he walked, you know, eight hours a day, four miles an hour. That's like 32 miles. So he's going to be like 17 or 18 days on this journey. And he's, I mean, Jacob's not very well fitted for this trip, right? I mean, you remember that Esau was an outdoorsman, right? That Esau was a hunter. He, this would be right up his alley, right? But what did Jacob like to do to follow the latest recipe, right? He was kind of his, his mother's son, right? But he's on this journey, 500 miles of walking, and he's a couple of days into it. This story takes place. See it, Bethel? He's just a little bit into this journey when uh, this story happens. He came to a certain place, Bethel, and spent the night there because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of the place. I'm glad I don't sleep on a pillow. Can you imagine sleeping on a stone? He took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. He had a dream. And behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So he has a dream. God appears to him in a dream. And how many of us say, man, I wish I would have a dream like that. I just wish, I wish God would appear to me in a dream. That would be so cool. But listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets and in many portions and in many ways. Jacob had no Bible. Jacob didn't have the Holy Spirit. The Bible hadn't been written yet. So God spoke to his people in many portions and in many ways, like dreams. In these last days has spoken to us and his son. Notice the word these last days. He's spoken to us in his son. The last days in the Bible are the time between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming. People often ask me, you know, do we live in the last days? Do we? You guys there? What? Yes. We, we definitely live in the last days. What we don't know is what? How last we are in the last days. But the last days are the time between Jesus' first coming and second coming. And listen, instead of dreams in these last days, He's spoken to us in his son. All those dreams, everything in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. In these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory in the exact representation of his nature. 
What if we believe that the Bible was God's Word? What if we believe that we've been given the Holy Spirit? What if we believe that Jesus was the exact representation of the nature of God? Wouldn't we get up and do what? We'd open our Bible because we'd say, God, we want to know what you're like. But we wait around for dreams, don't we? When we have in our hand the Word of God and we've been given the Spirit and we have the opportunity to know the one who is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature and upholds all things by the Word of His power, when He had made purification of sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Wow, so Jacob didn't have a Bible like we did. He didn't have the Holy Spirit, but, but he had a dream. And the dream was about a ladder, okay? And notice that he had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to the heavens, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it, and behold, the Lord stood above it. So there's a ladder, staircase. One end's on the earth. The other end is, is, is where God is. And, and Jacob sees angels coming down and going up. And I'm going to show you a little later that Jesus is the ladder that the angels are coming up and going down on. But what, what, it's, what he's seeing is that God is very concerned about what's happening on earth. You ever wonder, does God see what's going on in my life? Does God care? The angels coming down, angels are messengers of God. And, and they're coming down to deliver God's messages and to protect God's people. And, and then the, they're going back to report to God what's happening on earth because God's very concerned about what's happening on earth. So he sees them going up and going down. And, uh, and behold, the Lord God stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you all and in your descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Uh, and then he says, behold, I am with you. This is God's covenant. It's the Abrahamic covenant. It's the covenant of grace. God's promise to Jacob, he's renewing it. He's confirming it. I will bless you and make you a blessing. The blessings, I will be with you, a person. I'll give you a land, place. I'm going to give you many descendants. He's 77 years old. How many kids does he have? How many? None. And yet, and yet he would be the father, what, of the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 sons, right? And he would have many daughters as well. Listen, I'm going to bless you. Uh, I'm going to bless you by being with you, a person. I'm going to bring you to a place. I'm going to give you descendants. And then he says, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God's purpose for Israel was to bless a nation that would bless the world. And in particular... In particular, one of the descendants of, Abra of Jacob would be Jesus, who would bring salvation to all the families of the earth. So when you come to faith in Christ, listen, the covenant of grace that Jesus establishes with us, he says, I will give you eternal life. What is eternal life? He says, I will bless you. I'll bless you with a person now. You can do life with Jesus now, and I'm going to bless you with a person and a place forever. Listen, I'm going to make you a blessing to all the nations. 
When we come to faith in Christ, we become a part of the body of Christ, and Jesus wants us to be a part of bringing the blessing of salvation to the nations. And that's why we want to make disciples here who make disciples so that our county is reached. And that's why we plant churches around the world, because we want to be a part of bringing the blessing of Christ to all the nations. Um, person now, that's why we can be reasonably happy now, person and place forever, that's why we'll be supremely happy in the life to come. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. You get to do life with me, Jacob, and will bring you back to the land, person and place, bring you back to the land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. Two things, right? Person and place. The person is in the place. The Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put on under his head, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on its top. Set up the stone so he would remember. Here was a place where person and place came together. He poured oil on it. That was of consecrating, a consecration saying, listen, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you and be with you on this journey. He called the name of that place Bethel. How many of you would like to know a little Hebrew? See the word Bethel? Beth in Hebrew means house, and El means God. So if you ever see a church called Bethel, you know it's what is the house of God. And so that's what he called this place Bethel, the house of God. However, previously the name of the city had been Luz. Then Jacob made a vow. This is the first vow that we find in the Bible, the first time the word vow occurs. So Jacob makes a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. This stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Now, commentators have a very different view of this. Some people say that what Jacob's doing here is still kind of wheeling and dealing with God. If you will do all these things with me, then I'll give you 10% of what I have. And others say, no, no, it's really a step of faith. That's really a step of faith. He's saying, God, listen, I, I, since you're going to do all these things from me, when I come back, I'll give you 10%. Uh, well, what do I think? Well, the Bible is much less, um, the Bible is much less condemning of Jacob than people are. You don't ever find God really reprimanding what, what Jacob did. What it seems to me is the ifs are, he's still got 470 miles of dangerous territory to go through. He's still not married. He still doesn't have any descendants. And he says, God, if you'll do all these things for me, listen, when I come back, I'll, I'll give 10% of it back to you. Besides, most Christians I know, the 10% is a pretty big challenge, isn't it? Isn't that a step of faith? When someone gives 10% and says, God, listen, I'm going to step out in faith and trust you. And so that's what Jacob says. Uh, 
But, but I want you to hear the story here. We're reading the story. See if this sounds familiar. The story is a man leaves his father and mother to go on a long and dangerous journey to get a wife for himself. Does that sound familiar? Does it? Isn't that how the Bible begins, isn't it? How does the Bible begin? You know, Karen's version, right? God made the man, took one look, said what? I can do better. <laughs> Makes the woman. And then what do we read? For this reason, a man what? Shall leave who? His father and mother. And what? And be joined together, and the two shall become one flesh. Isn't that how the story starts? And, and then we read what? That Abraham sent some servants on a long and dangerous journey, what? To get Rebekah to bring her to, to Isaac to, to be his wife. And here, here we read of a man walking 500 dangerous miles to get a wife to bring her home, right? And um, what's the whole story of the Bible? Isn't that the whole story of the Bible? Isn't the whole story of the Bible how Jesus would leave his Father and the Holy Spirit to go on a long and dangerous journey, isn't it? Isn't that the story? And how right now Jesus is preparing his bride for the wedding of the ages when, when the church's bride is wedded to Christ. Listen, that's how history will be consummated at the, at the wedding of the ages. Look as well at verse 21. Is verse 21 up there? Notice, see the words, I will return where? To what? My father's house. Now listen to that. We might hear that again later in the message. We might hear again because someone else talked about returning to what? My father's house. Um, so I told you that Jesus is the latter, uh, that Jesus is the latter, and I, and I want to show you that. In John chapter 1, when Jesus begins his public ministry, he sees a man named Andrew, and he says, come and see. And Andrew came and, and found Jesus, and then he went, and he got his brother Peter and brought him to Jesus. And now we pick up the story, John 1, verse 43. The next day, he, Jesus, purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. And you know what Philip did? He dropped everything to follow Jesus. Are, are you following Jesus? Now, Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him, him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Listen, the first thing Philip did when he came to faith in Christ is he thought of his friend Nathanael. And he said, Man, I've got to bring him to Jesus. That was my experience. I can remember the day I came to faith in Christ thinking of my friends and saying, man, I've got to bring them to Jesus. Now, I want you to know, as we begin to unpack this story, I believe when Philip went and found Nathaniel, that Nathaniel was sitting under a tree reading or meditating on the story of Jacob's ladder. He's meditating on the passage that we just read let me show you that. <clears throat> so he says, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David. Moses wrote the first five books in the law of the Bible, including Genesis, including the story of Jacob's ladder. 
And everything in the law, the first five books, pointed to Jesus, and the prophets did too. We have found him, Jesus of Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Oh, can any good come out of Nazareth? (laughs) I used to think that was just a regional pride. I mean, I'm a southerner. It would be like saying, can anything good come from up north? Most of you from up north, you didn't laugh. (laughs) There used to be a picante sauce commercial. Some of you remember it. And the guy reads the jar, and it says, New York City, right? New York City. You don't expect to get picante sauce from, what, New York City. So I thought this was spoken as a southerner about a northerner. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? But I don't think that's it. I think Nathaniel knew the Bible. And the Bible said that the Savior, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem, not in Nazareth. Um, Some of you might not know this, but our first four kids were born in Boca Raton. And... um, In one of our kids, they were playing a sport. I forget which one it was. But in the program, it had the hometown for one of our kids. And know what it said? It said Boca Raton. Because that's where they were born. But where they grew up, they grew up in St. Augustine. And so it was with Jesus. He was born in Bethlehem, exactly like the Bible says. But he grew up in Nazareth. No, I love this. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. So often we think we don't have all the answers with people. We can't share the gospel with people. All Philip said was, come and see. All we want to do is invite someone. Come and see. That's why we share our faith. Come and see him in the word. We invite people to come and see him in worship. We invite people to come and see because we believe if people see Jesus, Jesus will take care of the rest, right? He sure did here. He sure did in my life. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Remember what I told you Nathanael was doing? He was meditating on what? On the story of Jacob and the ladder. What do most people think of when they hear the name Jacob? They think he's a deceiver, right? And so what Jesus is saying is, listen, you're not like Jacob in the story. Listen, here's an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Listen, Jesus is fully God and and fully man, and and, and sometimes his his deity just kind of shines through, doesn't it? And he, he says, I saw you under the fig tree. I knew what you were reading. I knew you long before I ever saw you. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Nathaniel believed in him. Man, when I read that, I thought, that is my story. When someone invited me, to come and see Jesus. And and I began to hear the gospel. Jesus knew me. He knew everything about me. It was like, this is what I've been waiting for all of my life. Yes, I believe in you. Yes, I want to follow you. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. 
That's why I believe he was reading the story of Jacob, right? And the story of his ladder because he says, you will see the angels coming down and going up. I am the ladder that you saw in Genesis. You'll see it yourself. And so Nathaniel believed in Jesus and he followed Jesus and he became one of his apostles. How about you? See, Jesus is the ladder. Let me show you that in, a, in another passage. In John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus is about to go to the cross, and he says, Do not let your heart be troubled. <laughs> you know, I was having lunch with someone this week, and he said, Man, I am so anxious. And I said, Isn't it interesting to know the most repeated command in the Bible is don't be anxious, don't worry, don't be afraid. Um, you know why it says that a lot? Because a lot of things could go wrong in life, Right? So what does he tell his disciples? Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house. Did we hear that before? Isn't that what we heard? Didn't Jacob say, when I come back to my Father's house? In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is about to go to the cross and prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We were created for a person and a place. Our first parents had the person and the place. They walked with God in paradise, and that's what we long for. We long, there's something in our hearts that longs for a person, God, but a place, paradise, right? Well, what happened? Our first parents, what? They sinned against God. No person, no place. We've all followed in their footsteps. We've sinned against God over and over again. So we're separated from God by sin, no person. And could we agree we're not in paradise? We could agree with that, right? You guys are with me? No place? And if we die without Jesus, it will be no person No place forever. That's what hell is. It's doing eternity away from God in the place that he has for those who love him. So what did Jesus say? He said he had come to prepare a place for us. God the Son put on flesh and came to earth so that we could have that person and place that we once had. He lived a perfect life for us. He went to the cross. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose. He offers us eternal life, a person and place forever. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus offers us what our hearts long for, a person and a place. And you know the way where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way. See, he's the ladder. He's the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Is there an emptiness in your heart? Only Jesus can fill that. But listen, don't you long to live on earth, don't you? Where, where everything sad is, is untrue. I mean, don't you love the earth? Man, I, I love the earth. I just wish that everything that was broken all of a sudden became untrue. And one day it will. And that's what eternal life is. Jesus offers us the person and the place that our hearts so long for. And what does he require of us? That we believe in him. 
And you say, well, how do we do that? Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Believing in Jesus is as simple as A, B, C, where we admit, believe, and commit. And it starts when we admit. Jesus, I've sinned against you. And if you've never done that, won't you? And then we believe, Jesus, I believe that you're the way. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit, Jesus, I'm not going to trust myself anymore. I'm going to trust you that you're the ladder. You're the way. You're the truth. You're the life. I'm trusting you for, as my Savior, trusting you for forgiveness, won't you? And listen, I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Listen, if you've never done that, won't you do that? One day it will be too late. You can do that in your seat if you'd like. Come up after the service. I'd be glad to assist you. But listen, if you've done that, if you've done that, I want you to know you have eternal life. Right now, you are doing life with Jesus. That's why we can be reasonably happy in this life. We have the person, but we're not in the place. <laughs> but one day soon, you'll be with Jesus in that place, and you'll be supremely happy in the life to come. And while we're here, while we're here on earth, Jesus says, I will bless you and make you a blessing to others. We're here to share the blessing of salvation with others while we are still here. So what have we learned? We've learned that Jesus is the ladder. He's God who came to earth, how he lifts us back up to God, and then one day soon he'll bring heaven back to earth so that we can have the person in place that we were created for and saved for. So here's what I want you to do this week. What I want you to do this week is I want you to rejoice in the Lord. I want you to rejoice in the Lord. Sometimes the action step comes right out of the Bible. So will you read this verse with me? Read it with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now notice what it says, rejoice in the Lord when? Hmm. And then sometimes... We're a little dull, aren't we? So the Bible repeats it. So he goes back and says what? Again, I say, I say rejoice. So here's what I'd love for you to do this week. When you get up and spend time with Jesus, rejoice in the Lord. Lord, I am so thankful I have eternal life. I'm so thankful that I've been forgiven. I'm so thankful that I get to do life with you. I have the person now. And Lord, I'm so thankful that in the future, I'm going to have the person in place my heart longs for. Thank you. Thank you. One day I will be on earth and everything sad and broken will be untrue. And I will walk with God in paradise forever the way it was in the beginning. Won't you rejoice? Now here's what I want you to do too. That's how I want you to start the day. But when you bump into reality... <laughs> And you will. When you bump into reality and, and you experience racism, when, when you experience uh, persecution because of your faith, the sneer, you don't believe that, do you? You're a hater. When you encounter persecution, when you get laid off from work, I want you to remember rejoice in the Lord. What? Always, again, I will say rejoice. How can I rejoice in that? You can rejoice that you're not home yet, right? Lord, I'm not home yet. I'm not home yet. I get to do life with the person that I've always wanted to. <laughs> and in that I rejoice. But I'm not in that place. For all of eternity, I will be in that place 
when everything sad and broken will suddenly be untrue. Oh, don't you look forward to that? Listen, to being with Jesus, but in paradise, where there's no racism and, and no persecution and no domestic violence and no war and no more virus, don't you? So listen, start your day rejoicing in the Lord when difficult things happen in the Lord. And let me encourage you, rejoice in the Lord always. Do it publicly. Bring that into your conversation this week. When someone asks you, how are you doing? Why not say, I'm rejoicing? Or if someone asks you, how are you doing? Why not say, I'm so thankful? What? Do you meet many people today who are rejoicing? Do you? Do you? No. Do you meet people who say they're thankful? Wouldn't that, well, smiley, what are you thankful for? I'm a Christian. I have eternal life. I get to walk every day of my life with the person, the person that I was created for and saved for. <laughs> and, and I know that for all of eternity, I will get to walk with the person I was created for in the place that my heart so longs for. Doesn't yours? Listen, isn't there an emptiness in your life that only Jesus can fill? Won't you believe in him? In your heart of hearts, don't you long to live on earth? Don't you long to live on earth forever, don't you? When everything sad and broken is untrue, you can. Jesus wants to save you for a person and a place. Won't you believe in him? <laughs> One day it'll be too late. Don't wait till it's too late. If you believe in Jesus, you can be reasonably happy in this broken world. And you can be supremely happy with him in the new one to come. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad you're the latter. You're God who came down to save lost sinners. You came to restore us to that person and place that we were created for and so longed for. Thank you. Thank you for coming and dying and rising that we could live with you forever in that place. And, and listen, if you're here today and you've never believed in Jesus, won't you? Won't you just admit to him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and, and I'm sorry. And won't you believe, I believe you, you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Listen, if you've prayed that for the first time, way to go. Jesus is the way. Won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray for those of us who have received you, who've put our faith in you, that we would rejoice in you this week, that we would rejoice that we get to do life in this broken world with you and with a purpose to be a blessing to others. And may we rejoice this week that we'll get to spend eternity with you in that place that our hearts so long for. And Lord, may we be so full of your joy that we have opportunities to tell others about you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.